Heavenly Father, thank you for drawing us around your word today. We know, Lord, in the book of Acts that we're going to look at today, Lord, that uh, was so inspired by you and, and has so much to speak to our hearts. God, we pray that you would remove all distractions, help us to just uh, commune with you. And God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would speak, Lord, through me what you want uh, to be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're new here, uh, you're jumping in at a good time. This is our second week of a sermon series on the book of Acts. And Acts is basically uh, the only book that we have in the Bible that tells us the history of the early church as it launched. And so we prayed about it, we, we read it, and we thought, you know what, we want to really focus on this and, and for a couple of reasons. First of all, we believe that God has great power that he wants to bestow or give to us. Okay? And if you look in the book of Acts, the church has these certain marks we talked about last week that mark it as uh, they are full of power. And there's things that God does through the church. And you, being here, are that church. You are part of the church. It's not just a building, it's part of you. And we talked last week about that we had power and purpose that Jesus has given each and every one of us. And that power comes through the Holy Spirit. We're also reminded that that power has nothing to do, it doesn't generate inside of us. And so we have this illustration here that's really helpful. The idea that we are, are like these solar panels, that we receive power from outside of us and then we give that power out as God calls each day for us to then share with other people, even receive some that we need for ourselves. So today we're going to talk about what Acts chapter 2 kind of summarizes as the power of the turnaround, okay? The power of the turnaround. So if you want to follow along. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2 in the middle part that was just read. Uh, you can follow that on the outline on your bulletin, or if you have the Version app, you can open that up, click on the location, being here, and all the answers will be right there for you. So you can follow in any way. So this time of year, I usually get the itch Okay, my spirit gets the itch to go to Wyoming. I love going out there. We got a little place that we like to go about 9,000 feet up. It's cool. Sometimes you get snow in June. You wake up, you're like, yes, this is heavenly. There's a certain road that we take, the only road to get to where we're going, and it's called Hazleton Road. And this is a view off of Hazleton Road at what uh, one of those is called Cloud Peak, okay? And so uh, you're driving and you're looking at all these trees that are ascending up the mountain. And I wish I had a closer picture, but I don't. But if you were there and you could look close enough, you could see that inside that bed of trees, all those trees there, there's actually a huge rock stone pillar that God formed. Okay, it's, it's like a God formed pillar. And it was there for you know, thousands of years, put right there. And it stands about 50 feet above the tallest trees. And so for year after year, I would drive by there and I thought, man, as the explorer that I am, I want to see how I can get to that huge rock, right? Some of you understand that. You're like, why do you want to climb a mountain? Because it's there, right? Why do you want to see that? I just want to go see it. So we decided, let's do some research. And we pulled out the national forest maps because it's in the Bighorn National Forest. And we found that there's actually a, a forest service road that goes to it, like Forest Road 543 or something. So we thought, this is it. We're going to go to it. And, we saw, and not only the road goes there, but we can go a little further, you name it. So we get to the Hazleton Road spot where this road starts. And the road starts and it's really wide, right? And it's got gravel on it, real nice. We thought, this is good. So we go in and you get about a half mile in and all of a sudden the trees start to get real close to the mirrors on the forerunner. 
Like, this isn't good, but we're going to keep going. And then it gets a little and then a lot more bumpy, right? And then from the snow melt, you get a snow melt, you get a lot more mud. Then we finally come across this group of campers. I thought, well, good, we're not the only ones, right? I looked and they're not really campers. These are guys that are just pausing for lunch. They're uh, forest service guys that are actually deforesting part of, part of the forest. And they kind of wave at us like, what in the world are those guys doing? Didn't care. I'm going. And I'm like, I'm glad I don't have to come back this way, right? So going a little further, and then I see another group of people, which encourages me until I see that they're on horses. No cars, no vehicles. But does that stop us? No. We finally get to this huge rock, get very excited, get out, take pictures. And then once the excitement wears off, we think, okay, now the maps, we're going to go around this way. We look, and you know what? That's an old old logging road that ended up being a four-wheel road. There's no car going down there. So you know what I had to do? We had to turn around and go back and humble ourselves, right? All these people thinking, those yahoos, what are they, you know, going that way? They, we should have told them. And then, you know, go on these bumps. I didn't want to go back on that road, right? I wanted to turn around and go somewhere else. Well, let me tell you the same thing. That's what God wants for you today. God has a turnaround for you today, your turnaround moment. And you might ask yourself, well, what does he mean by a turnaround moment? I think it's safe to say that every person sitting here today, you have something in your life that you're like, you know what? I need to turn from that. And it may be so private that the person sitting next to you might not even know that you have this road that you're on that you need to turn from. And it could be a variety of things that you need to turn from. It could actually just be some emotions that you're feeling. You're like, you know what? I'm feeling these things. I know they're not from God, and I need to, to turn from these and, and allow God to help me to turn with the power of the Holy Spirit. Or I'm making some choices, and I'm doing some things on a regular basis that are, are things that God is not into, right? Or I may be treating people in such a way that I need to turn from that, right? We all have these. And some of these, actually, they just live in your head. Like when you're driving or you're interacting with people, you might judge them in a way. You're like, you know what? I need to turn from that. And one of the biggest indications that you need to turn from something is when your conscience is burdened by it. When you go to bed, if it's on your mind, you're like, you know what? This got me again. Or you wake up the next day with an emotional hangover, whether it's anger, jealousy, judgment, greed, you name it. Every one of us have this where God is. There's a reason you're here today, right? It's not by accident. God has you here to hear these words. Say, today is my turnaround moment, right? And remember, you can't do this on your own. It's not any power you're going to generate inside yourself. This turnaround moment is from God. And today is that moment for you. So where do we get this? I just make this up? No. Okay. It's from Acts chapter 2. And before we go into it, we're just going to be looking at two main verses today, right? But I need to set this up for you so you get what God is doing with you today. So this is what he was doing in the book of Acts. We start in chapter 2, the first four verses, okay? So last week we talked in Acts 1 where Jesus, he rose 40 days. He appeared to hundreds of people. Then he ascended and he said, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to give you this great power, the Holy Spirit. We'll pick up in Acts chapter 2, the first four verses, all of the believers, probably about 120 of them, they're in this room upstairs, and it says a great rushing wind came in, okay? And this wind landed on them, this spirit, like, like tongues of fire, right? It's like an 80s 7-Up commercial, but their hair didn't start on fire, right? So anyway, 
Yeah. So the Holy Spirit comes like tongues of fire on them. And they get so filled with the Spirit that they decide to go out and they're speaking in tongues like crazy stuff. But here's the cool part. There are thousands of Jews that are gathered there for the, the, the festival of Pentecost, okay? Thousands of them. And all of a sudden, these 120 believers come out and they're speaking in the tongues of the native languages of these Jews from all, all over the country, all over the world. Amazing. And the Jews ask them, they say, hey, are these guys drunk, right? Peter's like, no, it's only nine o'clock, right? We wouldn't, it's only nine o'clock. These, they're, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So Peter realizes, I have an opportunity here. These people are amazed at what's going on, right? Now you got to understand that these thousands of Jews, why were they there? They were celebrating the day of Pentecost. That's one of multiple festivals in Jewish tradition. Probably the biggest one is Passover, right? That's the week of Easter where they celebrate that. Then Pentecost is probably the second biggest one. A lot of scholars think it's because the weather is great, so they were okay to travel at that time. But they are celebrating traditionally that this is the day that God gave them the law, okay? The Ten Commandments. Now here's the cool part. This chapter ends with the day of Pentecost being reclaimed as not the law, but as the good news, the gospel, okay? So we celebrate this day of Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit, the good news that God has power to change your turnaround, he has come to you, right? So when you hear Pentecost, that's really what that is. It's God doing some amazing change, Holy Spirit coming in to you. So here's thousands of Jews they're living their life thinking, you know what? We're doing our rituals. We're doing the right thing. Every year we come to Pentecost. We've got Passover, the feast. We do all this stuff. We are listening to what our religious leaders are telling us. And they're saying, hey, you got to do the Ten Commandments. Got to do hundreds of more laws to make God pleased with you, right? And Peter says, y'all need a turnaround. So he starts to lay out to them what just happened the last month and a half. He says, you know that Jesus from Nazareth? Yeah, that guy. He was crucified? Yeah, that guy, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, Roman soldiers did that, yeah. But y'all are responsible too because uh, y'all turned him over. And this is actually the one that David spoke about. In fact, uh, God made him Lord and he's the Messiah that we've been waiting for, the Savior. Now listen to their response because if you've read this before, you probably pass it up. Instead of saying, that's not us. We had no part in this. We just got to town. We haven't been in Jerusalem. No. -uh. But instead, this is what they say. They are so cut to the heart, the Holy Spirit's working in them, that they, they speak to Peter and the others, and they say, brothers, what do we do about this? And he might be there today. You might be so gripped with whatever road you're on, whatever sickness it could be, whatever mental thing is pulling you, whatever spiritual thing, and you're probably looking at Peter, you're looking at God and saying, okay, what do I do? Well, guess what? God has an answer. God has the power to help you turn from that road, just like he did those, the Jewish converts, basically, 2,000 years ago. And here's what it is. Step one is this, repentance. Repentance. I want to come back to Jesus. Now this is important because some of you may only be halfway down your road and you're like, you know what? I still want to see what else is down there. I'm still getting some good vibes from this. I want to keep going down the road. 
You have to get to that big pillar, that rock, and you have to tell yourself, you know what, I'm done with this. I'm done feeling this way. I'm done acting this way. I'm done thinking this way. And I'm ready to turn back to Jesus. It's time for, I'm going to allow him to do something in my life. It's my turnaround time. But if you're not done with it, you're not. But we pray and we hope today that you're, you're ready to say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of this. I am fed up with this road. I want a new road. So here's what Peter says. What do we do? He says, repent and be baptized every one of you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, the first part of the verse, verse, verse a, the A part, I say it, okay? He says, repent and be baptized. Now, repent, remember, in the New Testament, doesn't just mean saying, I'm sorry. Repent means to turn from. Thus, the turnaround, right? It's like, I am turning around. God is giving me a new road to go on. So we repent of that, and then we're baptized. Now, some of you here have already been baptized. That's awesome, okay? If you've been baptized, what you do with this verse is you say, you know what? Whenever the devil or anybody comes to me and says, and that's who you really are, right? You're just, a, you know, whatever they want to call you. You say, no, I'm a baptized child of God, and at my baptism, I marked, and God marked me, but I marked that time of when God said, you know what? I am your father. Great Father's Day message, right? I am your father. You are in the family. I forgive you, and I'm filling you with faith, and you believe all this, Okay? So he says, repent and be baptized. Later in scripture, it says that over 3,000 of them were baptized that day. God was working. If you are here and you've not been baptized, let me know. I will go in that fountain afterwards and I, I can dunk you without drowning you, I promise. <laughs> now, if you want to be baptized, let us know. That's what, we're, that's what we do here. We're into helping you turn around because that's what God wants for you. Just mark it on a little connection card. Say, want to be baptized? Want to know about that? Let us know because, you know, that's God. That's God moving in your heart, right? I also dropped in there a verse from Zechariah. And you're probably like, why did he do that? Okay, Zechariah, prophet, 530 years before Jesus. Now, why is it so important? Zechariah was speaking to those Israelites who had, who had been, many of them had been pulled from Jerusalem, okay? Their city had been sacked. They were taken into captivity about 40 years later. Some of them said, hey, let's go back and build the wall. Let's go try to go back to our homeland. And why God thought that was important, he thought what was more important was to rebuild their heart. Their turnaround was not just physical, but spiritual. And so he said, he said to Zechariah, the prophet, I want you to tell the people this, and I love this because look how consistent God is throughout the centuries, okay? Same as Zechariah's time, Acts, and now. Here it is. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I'll return to you. That's a promise. If you return to me, you turn from that road, I will return to you. Right? This may have been a week, a month, years for you. You're like, I used to know Jesus, but I've gone off. God says, hey, just come back. You return to me, I will return to you. This could be the day, Right? A famous pastor once said, you can't turn toward God without turning from the things that he is against. You can't turn towards God without turning from the things he's against. Okay? So if you're doing something, you're thinking something, you are habitually into something, you're like, I know God's not into this. You have to make that decision and say, you know what? I'm done with this. And if you're truly done with this, then you'll be turning toward God. You'll be repenting. And he, he will not turn you away. 
He's a gracious God. He loves you. And he calls just like the people in, in Zechariah's day. Return to me and I will return to you. Step two is this. Allow Jesus to take the weight. The weight is weighing you down. Some of my English people are loving this, right? Okay, let's get these words, right? Allow Jesus to take the weight, W-E-I-G-H-T, okay, the heaviness, the weight, because when you're waiting to do that, it's weighing you down, okay? What does that mean? Here's a verse that explains it. Verse, part B of, of verse 38 says this, In the name of Jesus Christ, what? For the forgiveness of sins. So he says, repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus, what? For the forgiveness of sins. How many of us are holding on to guilt and shame, which are the result of, of unforgiveness. We hold that and we're like, you know what? God could never love me after I did that. After I've said this, God could never be pleased with me. I, I don't know how God will ever get over what I've said or done or not done. And that is weighing you down. And that's not what God wants. He wants to release you to help you in that turnaround. And step three is this. Allow the limitless Holy Spirit to empower your turnaround from here on out. Now, I want to say that again. Allow the limitless Holy Spirit, right? There's no limits to him, to empower your turnaround from here on out. Look what the next verse says, the end of 38 and verse 39. This is the promise. Peter says, you do this, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, all who are far off, for all that the Lord has called, okay? How many of you like churros? How many of you like Costco churros? If you've never had a Costco churro, they're about two feet long. They're about as, the diameter is like a half dollar. Huge. The inside tastes like a warm donut. Cinnamon, they're phenomenal. You, if you want to take these home, you got to get a U-Haul trailer to take them home. There's tons of them. So why I bring this up is this. On Thursday, my day off, taking mom to Costco to get some hearing aid tests. Well, it's hard to get kids this day and age out of their room and to go do something with you. So I thought if I could say, hey, y'all get churros, who wants to go? So one out of four said yes. In baseball, that's good batting, all right? It's 250. So one went with me and uh, walked around getting everything done and we're getting in line for a churro and all of a sudden dad's texting like every other kid wants a churro. Like, <laughs> Well, they should have come, but no, I'm a nice dad. So I'm like, okay, I'll get some for everybody, right? So get a whole load of them. I think mom wanted one too. So I did, we just get a lot of churros, right? We're bringing them all home and everybody's chowing theirs except one, Hannah. She's upstairs. I said, Hannah, I text her. I said, are your churros here? Okay. But then a couple hours later, she doesn't get it. So I text her. I said, hey, I'm going to go ahead and cut it in half because it's huge, right? To get it inside a gallon bag, to keep it fresh, put it in the pantry. I didn't put her name on it. Yeah, because usually, you know, if there's lots of hungry kiddos. If a name is on it, off limits, right? No name. So I went to bed not knowing she still hadn't eaten her churro. First one up on Friday. Go to get coffee and get some milk, you know, and I see on the refrigerator. I mean, a half-page sticky, the biggest sticky note you've ever seen, right? It's on there, and it's like in big, bold letters, Who ate my churro? Right? Where is my super suit, right? Like, where is this? So I thought, oh, no. So I, I processed it. I thought, well, there was no name on it, so it was kind of fair game, but I understand she's missing it. But if I go to work and there's a note, I said, this isn't going to be helpful. So I took the note. I said, hey, I texted her. I said, I'm going to get you two churros on the way home. And I did, right? 
I had some bites. They're so good. Just to make sure they were all right for <laughs> You know what I learned, man? Everybody in my, everybody in my family, they love churros. Like, they, we can't have enough churros in the house. Just think, while churros are limited, the Holy Spirit is limitless. The Holy Spirit tastes much better. Holy Spirit is much better for you. Right? The Holy Spirit is free as much as you want. Nobody, nobody's going to take it from you. Right? And that's what this verse is telling us. It says, this power, this Holy Spirit, this gift, Paul says, is for you, fathers, right? For you, for your children, for all those who are far off, for all that God has called. And why we bring this up is, is going to hurt. I'm stepping on my toes here when I say this. But how many times do we live our lives with some of the power, but we're like, this power is limited. I'm going to keep this churro for myself. And how many opportunities does God give us to say, you know what? This is a limitless power. He wants the Holy Spirit, just like in Acts 2, to just flourish here in Mansfield. Midlothian, Waxahachie, Arlington, wherever you're at. Many of you are going to lunch today. You're going to pray over your food. Someone's going to be bringing food to you. Like, hey, we're getting ready to pray. Can we pray for something for you? You want to pray with us? That's limitless Holy Spirit, right? Many of you will be interacting with so many people this week. Hey, can I pray with you? Can I share the Holy Spirit? They might say, Holy Spirit, what are you talking about? But you can pray with them, right? You can love them. It's a limitless Holy Spirit. So the world, the world is going to agree with you at times that you're on a wrong road, right? And family will sometimes chide you and be like, look at you, man. They'll be like, Psh. They'll get on you and they'll, they'll judge you and you name it. And you know, like you don't need to be told, I'm on the wrong road, I need to turn around, right? But what the world will give you is all these different options that to them make sense, but it doesn't make any sense. There's only one, and I want to show you this, this last picture. There's only one way to get through this turnaround, and it's with Jesus, okay? Some of you are on the edge of a great chasm. You have so much down below that's so dark, and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I can get through there on my own. And you're what? You can't, okay? On, left on your own devices, it won't work. But there is a cross that Jesus died on, and there's a cross that Jesus rose from, and there's a grave that is empty, right? And this is the power that God shared with the early churches, the power that is still available to you today, that you receive that and you believe it and you repent and you're baptized and you can run with that power. You can run across that cross. You can run to the other side and say, you know what? I am free. I am full. I have got this power. Some of you are OCD like me. Some of you are like, I can't believe he's preaching and we didn't do the confession absolution yet, right? We missed that part of the service. Well, intentionally, I have left it for the end, right? For our turnaround. So uh, God is probably working in every heart here in some way, in some capacity. Because if not, you're probably sleeping by now. So hopefully you're not. And we're going to find out in a moment. <laughs> what I want you to do is go ahead and stand up, okay? I want you to stand up. Now, if it's possible, and if you trust me and you trust the people around you, we're going to do some tangible confession here. So what I want you to do is literally turn around and face the back. Hello, tech team. They're like, you didn't tell me we were going to do this last service, right? Uh, what we're going to do is, we're going to right now, we're going to, if there's any unforgiveness you have in your heart for other people, for yourself, if there's any guilt, any shame, anything that is not of God that you need to turn from, I want you to go ahead and confess that to God right now.
My brothers and sisters, if you're ready, please turn around. I want you to not look at me, but I want you to look at what's behind me. Nothing new, but it's the same as in Zechariah's time. They were looking forward to the cross. The book of Acts, they look back to the cross, and we look back to the cross. Realize because this cross is empty, and the love that was poured out on that cross, that your sins are all forgiven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can receive that good news today. This is your turnaround day. If you believe that and you're excited about that and you want to confess the faith that God has put in your heart of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're going to do that today using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.